Digital Dust is a history podcast about the stuff you learned in school with a perspective you might not have considered. Hello and welcome back to Digital Dust. I'm Katie. I'm Liz. I'm Robin. And I'm Patrick. I got too scared. <laughs> I didn't know what... Oh. You should be happy <laughs> or sad. I mean... It... Yeah, I should. You know, I should be happy. Well, on that note... <laughs> well... <laughs> Welcome to episode 12! It's the season finale! It is. Wait, was that the Hannah Montana music? Maybe. (laughs) I think it just came out of me naturally. (laughs) I got nostalgic, you know? History just does that to you. Oh my god. This reminds me of Hannah Montana. We need like a heritage minute, but it's oh, Hannah Montana. Oh, we do need that. Oh, so much. Hannah Montana is the part of our history. Oh, I rewatched the Hannah Montana movie recently. <laughs> Highly recommend. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Did it make me cry? Yeah. What? Come oh, on, man. It's sad. It's the climb. I mean, the last song did make me cry. Like that movie with her in it. The last song. Oh, yeah. yeah. But now you can't watch that because they got divorced, and this is like. Oh. Yeah. Tragic. Drama. Drama. Am I the drama? <laughs> okay. So it's the season finale. It's when uh, all our all our character secrets are revealed. The huge cliffhanger at the end. <laughs> so what are we doing for this episode that we have been chaotically introducing? <laughs> well, I mean, it's just going to be a series of chaotic really moments in this episode. <laughs> series yeah. of chaos. It's yeah. going to get more chaotic. Yeah, we have a lot of questions. The last couple of weeks, we've been asking folks to send in questions, things they want to know about us, and we'll do our best to answer them, which is fun. <laughs> it's gonna... a nice little Q&A yeah. show. Yeah. Get to know us a little be better. It'll be good. Exactly. Yeah, we'll reflect a bit on, on what's happened so far, what we yeah. want to do in the future, all that sort of stuff. So... And probably a little tiny sneak peek Ooh, of season two. Gotta stay well. till the end for that. Ooh. Wow. That's little right. treats. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. All right. Uh, so. Okay, well, I think I'm starting us off, so. right? I think you are, yeah. Yeah. The first question we got, and it was a legit question, who is who? Um, <laughs> I don't know if we got any context to nope. that question, but that's totally fine. So... Who is who? I guess we'll go around and we'll introduce ourselves, um, try to talk uh, in a distinct voice know, for a, like <laughs> in a distinct voice for a discernible <clears throat> amount of time. Um, oh, Patrick's like, yes. Okay. Ready, Patrick? Patrick, all... who are you? Oh, boy. When I got to like 50 distinct voices, I could do it just matters the one you want to hear. Um, but anyway, <laughs> with that in mind. My name's Patrick. Hi, uh, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. And I do silly voices. Um, and I'm on a podcast. I don't <laughs> That's know. not okay. helpful. They know they all know three of those me? facts already. <laughs> I got it. What do, they, what do they want to know about who I am? They didn't. They like, didn't ask. Yeah. They're just like, who's who? Who is who? Okay. Well, uh, I'm a I'm a Gemini. Um, I. But don't let that fool you. He is That's not the true. typical Gemini yeah, male. Cool. Um, question do you know your myers-briggs type Mm. i know myers-briggs is like kind of you know but do you oh enfp i think it's sometimes an enfp and sometimes an infp enfp (laughs) i like to know the titles 
the campaigner. Mm. Okay, that's cool. All right. He's a Gemini. He's a campaigner. What else? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I love history. I love superheroes. Most nerd things in general. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Great game. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, social justice work—that's my—that's my jam in terms of what I want to do with my life. Get um, right into it in the most vague terms possible. <laughs> um, yeah, that's me. I think I th- I, uh, I I love warm hugs. I'm like Olaf. There you go. That's Perfect. how I'll round it out. Is that? And it sucks because I didn't get that's to hug true. any of you this year. And I live I live for hugging people, and so it was really tragic. But Monday soon. Yes. Soon we'll get to hug yep. each other. Exactly. So that's me. Who's next? <laughs> Great meeting you. Thanks. <laughs> it's really nice meeting you. So Robin, you spoke, so you go next. Oh shoot. <laughs> yeah, no, um I am Robin. Nice to meet Hi, you. Robin. Hi Robin. It's like AA. Hi Robin. Hello. Yeah, I am I am addicted to history. Mm. You know, like everyone else in this room. <laughs> Love me some history. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> can't stop won't stop yeah we're we all got a problem and we're here <laughs> to talk it through <laughs> yeah no um yeah i'm in public history like everyone here you, you probably already know that but um <laughs> if you missed our first episode uh i got my undergrad in art history and indigenous studies and that's pretty much my my general interests i'm really into art religion spirituality social dynamics that's usually where i find myself yeah. i don't have any specific niche or anything it's just um it's just those those particular subjects always seem to come back to me or even if someone's just passionate about what they're talking about i find myself getting pulled into it too i'm very i'm very adaptable like that. i feel that for sure spirituality is great mm-hmm. yeah it's so fun it inspires so many things so yeah i love it especially in art it's like my favorite thing <laughs> And what's your Myers-Briggs personality oh, yeah. and type? Your, and your star sign. Well, I guess yeah. I have to find out now. I, well, I'm a Libra. And you're you're a Libra, yeah. you say? I am. I guess I'll go. Can I go? Hi, I'm Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi. Hey. And let's see. My Myers-Briggs personality is INF. J, which is the Ooh. advocate. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it suits me pretty well. What else? Um, I am a Taurus, Taurus through and through. I I'm stubborn, but I love to just snuggle and just eat junk food. Oh yes. <laughs> Instead of going out, that's that's my ideal night. Um, I don't have a history degree. I have an English literature degree. But that doesn't mean I don't love history. I love history. Mm. It still brought me into public history. Uh, I just like to think it kind of gave me a different perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, what else? I guess, like Robin, too, I'm really interested in Indigenous history. That's kind of, like, my main focus slash, like, my hopefully what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, working to decolonize Turtle Island as best I can from the inside, I guess. From the Hell inside. Yeah. Like yeah. It's That's right. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's me. I don't really know what else to say. That's awesome. I feel like that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. And now it's Katie's turn. It's Katie's turn. Hi, I'm Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Uh, Oh, I'm an ESFP, which is the entertainer. Oh, very nice. 
very good. Very nice. good. Do, 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 do. And I'm a cancer. Um, so basically, those two oh, together just mean I'm sorry. an emotional wreck always. Yeah. Um, yeah. So cheers. Good God. We love that for me. It's fine. Though. Thanks for coming it's on. It's fine. Uh, what else? Um, oh, you, you probably, of all of our faces, you're probably most familiar with mine. Because I'm all over our social media, which is slightly concerning, but I pretend not to care about that. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Instagram. I'm I'm the face you see 90% of the time. I'm, I'm the blonde one. Actually, Patrick's also blonde, so that doesn't help you. But Patrick's blonde. not in any of the reels or the TikToks yet. He'll be in one one yeah. day. I got it. We're working on <laughs> I'll it. I'll get on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then um, my, my history interests. I'm interested in histories of violence, which sounds very depressing, and it is, um, but mainly how we commemorate violence and, like, how we remember it over time, which is why I'm in public history. Yeah, I think that's about it for me. Okay, now we have one of my favorite questions, which is, it starts with, this is very important. By the way, we're not saying who um, asked these questions just to protect your privacy, but we, we know, we recognize. Real recognizes we real. We saw you. Um, this is very important. What are all your favorite Taylor Swift songs? I don't know. Is songs plural? So it can be more than one. We can do a top three. You can do a top three. You should say when you tell us what your favorite songs are, how into Taylor Swift you are. Just like as a gauge. Mm. You know? Good disclaimer that we should put in. Yeah. Sure. Who wants to go first? I'll start with my with my gauge before I go into my favorite song because my favorite songs are kind of all over the place, but um, I kind of grew I've grown out of my Taylor Swift, um, my love for Taylor Swift. I mean, like I still it's still very nostalgic for me. But mm-hmm. when I was in um, elementary school, every year we did a every single year we did we did a talent show, and I think like from like fifth grade all the way to eighth grade every single year i sang a taylor swift song yes. love that for i did you. love i played guitar and i did love story you belong with me i think white horse so as you can tell fearless era taylor swift is my vibe i think those are all like my favorites but i do also i'm a big folk folk music fan so i feel like i do also i did really love uh evermore um like invisible string is on my on my playlist a lot that's a good one but i mean like at my at my core at my heart it's it's like the og well not quite oh it's not it's not teardrops on my guitar og but Whoa. it's you know Those well that's a good words. one but it, i don't know but it was like it was like <laughs> the fearless album is like what got was my jam that was my favorite okay. so okay nice there you go I can keep I can keep them moving because I I'm in the same boat I'm an old fan it was but I was never a Swifty but I fully moved away when she moved out of country. <laughs> um, my yeah, top three ahead. I I did write I looked at all these questions beforehand but um yes like me my name's uh, it's our song Hey Ooh. Steven and Love Story yes. those are like Hey Steven I love is hey such Steven. a good song it's a, it's a bop it's a bop I love it. Yeah, so after that, I know she's, like, kind of revisited some of those songs, so I probably she should has. muster the courage to come back and see what she's done, but at the moment, I've, I've chopped off my my connection to her. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, 
All right. Well, to turn coattails, if you will, I am a big Taylor Swift fan. Have been since I first heard Teardrops on my guitar on the radio in 2007. And, I mean, I definitely, um, there are some albums I liked more than others, but love all her music. Listen to it all the time. So my all-time favorite song by her is one of her newer songs, which is Cowboy Like Me, which is, among Swifties, kind of controversial because everybody loves, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Wait, what's it called? All Too Well. Everyone loves All Too Well. But I love Cowboy Like Me. It's a great culmination of her like theme that comes up in blank space. I'm about to write a dissertation about this. But basically, like this, like... I'm a criminal who's, like, only here to steal your heart. Cowboy Like Me is the opposite of that. Love that for her. My other two, if we're going to do top three, are Peace from Folklore. And then I love country music, so we're going all the way back to Tim McGraw. Oh. I love Tim McGraw. It's a good song. Wow. It's a bop. It's fair. All right, Patrick. How, how much of a Swiftie oh, are we you? Should, <laughs> we should not have ended with me. <laughs> Don't worry, we have another. (laughs) I know. (laughs) This is great. Two Taylor Swift songs. I'm I'm good at this. I can. I got this. Um, No, you know. Yeah, no. I'm. I'm. I've never gotten too into Taylor Swift. You love Taylor Swift. Um, I blame it on society. I. I think I would. I blame it on society and being a boy and and that being weird um, to like Taylor Swift. However, uh, I'm just gonna go super generic. Love story is pretty great. Um, is that the short shorts one? And then no. I wear t <laughs> That's that... You Belong With Me. <laughs> no, what's that one? You belong, okay, then You Belong With Me is another great one. Uh... Love Story is the Romeo Taylor. Yeah, sing it, girl. Yeah, that one's great. Yeah. I'm going to so, jam out if you sing uh, it. Yeah, classic. That's my answer. Love that. <laughs> I wish I had more favorites. Don't worry, but... we have another Taylor Swift question coming, so. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That you're leading the question for. <laughs> yeah. This is your turn. <laughs> what is that question, Patrick? All right, folks. <clears throat> so I know mine, but uh, what's your what 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 uh, rankings would you give Taylor Swift albums? You could just put them in order from like best to worst. I think like the order again for me and maybe for Robin like kind of follows the chronology. Although now we're starting to get a little bit better, but like the earlier it, like. Taylor Swift is like a fine wine. Yeah. The better. You know what I mean? You gotta let it age. You guys a gotta bit. listen to everyone. Um, the yeah. two new ones. I think so we're good. we're out of yeah. date right now, but I agree that we're on the same page that it's just like bottom up. <laughs> yeah. Ever Evermore and, and Folklore are both like pretty like pretty good, but I think like for me, like, yeah, you have like what what was her debut it's album? Called, is it just Taylor yeah, it's Swift? Just Taylor Swift. Yeah. So, like, the debut album, Fearless, um, and then once you get to, like, 1989 and, like, Reputation in Red, I was like, I'm off. Okay, no, I'm I agree on I agree on 1989, which makes me, again, very controversial among Swifties because 1989 is so bad, guys. The only good song off 1989 is Clean. Fight me on this. Remember when, like, 1989 came out, too, and, like, everyone had their birth year in their yes. bio? Like... <laughs> 1998. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but red, you come for red. Oh my god, guys! It's just too poppy. I don't like the. Okay, but it's weird though, right? Because like early Taylor Swift is poppy, but it's the c- 
country poppy and then she gets a little too popular a little you know not enough and now we're getting back into the folky like into her roots which oh i like God. but this yeah pains no me because red is number one for me red is my go-to album for her i really i will listen to red and this in part because when 1989 came out and i was like well that's trash i just went back to listen to red and then so from like 2012 <laughs> to like 2017 all i did was listen to red I mean, I listen to other artists, too. I should be clear. Yeah, like, no, 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 <laughs> no. it's just Taylor Swift. That's it. Um, I'll just bang through my list. I have it written out because my friends and I all did this back when Folklore came uh-huh. out. So it's Red, Evermore, oof, up there. Folklore, Lover, which, again, is kind of controversial, but I love Lover. Oh, yeah, yeah. The OG, Taylor Swift. Reputation, Fearless, 1989. I didn't like Fearless. Fearless is second from oh what the heck really? I was so sad when she re-recorded Fearless first. I was one. like, girly, no one likes that album. Wet me. <laughs> I do love Tay Steven though. All of the for me, like all of the classics come from that album. I, don't know. I mean they do, but I I'll respect that. It's better than nineteen eighty nine. I'll give you that. <laughs> it's better than nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. You guys all have to listen to her two new albums. They would change your lives. Yeah. They're so good. The two new albums are really good. I really like them both. Especially in the fall time. Or when it's raining. Got some tea. Yeah. Yeah. Like today when we got a thunderstorm yes. going. It's yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you for those Taylor Swift questions. That really indulged me on a personal level. So, next, I'd like us to name three things we can't live without. And we're excluding people on this one because that's just um, that's just a given. There's a there's a lot of people we can't yeah. live without, except for Patrick. He's uh, already excluded them. No. The three Aww. of you. <laughs> Your girlfriend's gonna be like, "What the heck?" Yeah, Jordan's Patrick, gonna be like, "I, I listen to the yeah. podcast." And... Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she'll be fine with it. <laughs> I'll hear back from her in a couple days and see. See the verdict. Says. But anyway. <laughs> Can we narrow it down at no. all? Because three things yeah. ever? So, three things. so many things. I mean, two of mine are food items. <laughs> so easy ones for me are books. I need books. I can live without TV. That's fine. Crafts. I'm like If I could just have like a Michaels to myself. I know that's a lot of things, but like a Michaels store <laughs> would be great. <laughs> And um, Swiss Chalet sauce. I love that thing. I could drink. I drink it. Oh, so good. Isn't it just liquefied? So good. We don't talk about that part of it. It's tasty. I just imagine a world where, like, you have nothing. Oh, my God. No, because I just need it in a thermos. Oh, my. Yeah, they legit have at Swiss Chalet. I don't know if anyone's been at the takeout lately, but they have, like, a Gatorade container that you can pour that keeps it hot and you can pour out your own. Okay. See, mine are not crazy, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it anyway. Um, number one for me is tea, but specifically red rose tea because I'm your grandmother. <laughs> I only drink red rose. I do not drink fancy tea. That was like I used to go visit my grandparents and they'd be like, Do you want some tea? And I'd just be like, What kind? And they're like, Tea because <laughs> yeah, like one type. to your grandparents it's just red yeah. rose tea. Like there is superior. No other. I'll also take Tetley if need be, but, you know, either or. Um, Number two is my phone, but specifically not my phone, the Libby app. So I read books from the library digitally, and if I didn't have access to that, I would die, because it's all I do with my free time, which is a little weird. 
But, you know, love the Livy app. Highly recommend getting books from your library. You should totally do it. We love libraries. Support them. And number three is another food item because who would I be without food? Is hummus. I eat hummus every day of my life. Is there a yes. flavor that you're like? Oh, no, so just hummus. Chickpea. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Chickpea. I literally live on chickpeas. I'm a vegetarian, for those of you who don't know. I just live on chickpeas. So, yeah. We love we love hummus. Patrick looks, like, perplexed. I, well, okay. You know, it's just because my brain is going all over the place with this question. Cause, like, just your three first, the first things you think I of. I know. Just I go. Know. I know. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm thinking about it deeply. Like, what if they weren't there... I would be very sad. I think <laughs> first first thing that popped in my head, which is uh, especially <laughs> interesting with the pandemic, um, is people. Uh. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but like like um, I'm a weird combination of an introvert and an extrovert, where I need to be not around people all the time, but I also need to be around people sometimes. You're an introvert and extrovert. Yeah, I'm like that like too. That. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're like I will get tired if I because it's a bit performative. Like I will get tired when I talk to people enough, but. Um, I still like doing it. So, like, I don't know. If, if you need something smaller than people, um, like, theater slash acting, because that's, like, a huge outlet for me um, that I haven't been able to do in the last little while. But uh, I think I need that. That would be great. Uh, gots to have my superheroes. All of them. Um, all of them. <laughs> yeah, don't make me choose. I won't. <laughs> really? I thought you'd, you'd full-out choose Batman. Well, but... I, I mean, yeah, if I had to, but... <laughs> I mean, I also, I'm in, I'm in love with the X-Men. I think the X-Men are incredible. I just don't talk about them as much. Um, but I love, yeah, I think their, their stories are really, really awesome and, and interesting. Um, and their powers are fucking awesome. Anyway, uh, I digress. Third thing. Uh, hmm. Oh, air conditioning. <laughs> it's really hot, guys. <laughs> or like ways to, ways to yeah. cool down. I'm a, I, I, I run really warm. And so if I don't have, a, like, I, I use a fan when I sleep in the winter. Like, I, like, like, and if I didn't have ways to cool down, I would probably die. Wow. So. I run really cold, but I'm really hot right now. <laughs> so cheers. <laughs> All right, Liz, last but not least. Go for it. Whoo! Uh, okay, let's see. Um, number one would be chocolate. Um, yeah. I can't. I can't live with that. I literally, like, if there is one food that I, like, couldn't give up, it would be chocolate. Mm. Um, I just, I love it. Uh, and then number two, now this would be hard. I'm really, uh, see, I'm really torn between, I'm currently in a, in a phase, you know, when you go through a phase of like, I have to put on a podcast to get like a two minute <laughs> I saw a TikTok done. about that today. Yeah. It was just like, I was just like, I think I saw that one too. And I was just like, yeah, that's literally really? me right now. I'm like, always have podcast on. But if I had to choose between music and a podcast, it'd be a hundred percent music. Uh, my mom's a music teacher. I grew up, like, loving music. Um, and so it's stuff like music I listen to every single day, classical, whatever. I have my vinyl collection that is always growing. And so music is definitely one of them. And I don't know what the last one would be. I'm not trying to be a Visco girl. I'm an OG Hydro Flask lover, okay? And I can't live without my Hydro Flask. I have, like, the biggest size. And I call it my mo- emotional support water bottle. <laughs> It's my, it, go, it goes with me everywhere, literally everywhere. It. I only drink water out of this because 
it's always so cold all the time and yeah it just it comes with me everywhere and I won't drink water without it so fave okay favorite I'm, I'm, I'm a little intrigued favorite bad uh late 90s 2000s sitcom I'm interested in what bad mm. means I know right because like there are a lot of things that are like, is it bad? Is it like problematic? I mean, I guess you could just take your own interpretation or cheesy. cheesy yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I have so many answers to that. I can give you just my favorite early 2006 sitcom. Yeah. Like, that's not, it's not bad. It's good. Like, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mine's not even like, Go like for my, it. it's not, it's 2009. <laughs> so it's not early 2000s, but I'm saying it anyway. You should all watch Community. We posted about it today. Oh, I love yeah. Troy Barnes with oh, my yeah. whole heart. I would die for that yeah. man. Don't eat the crab cakes. <laughs> <laughs> love that man. So Community, if yeah. you were looking, we're talking about like good. I also watch like Friends, but like I'm not one of those people who loved Friends. I just like watch it because it's there in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if we're going with bad shows, I think when I was younger, because I didn't get that they were making fun of me, I loved The Big Bang Theory. Not because it was funny, but because of all the references to, like, superheroes and stuff. So as a kid, yeah, so as a kid being like, they said the word Batman, like, five times. This show's great, you know? And now I'm like, oh, they're not... Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, oh, they're just making fun of people like me. That's good. That's, that's... <laughs> so that's my That answer. makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah, I I can't. I didn't really watch that many sitcoms, but I did watch um, the Golden Girls with my mom. I know it's an '80s sitcom, but I watched it in the '90s and 2000s. So I thought it's a great show. I didn't. I didn't notice the bad things, so that's my bad. (laughs) Yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple. Friends was something that was always on, but I like not really. I'm not like. I'm not that into it. My favorite, like, TV show of all time is Parks and Rec. I love Parks and Rec so much. Which, again, is, like, follows more, like, that mid-2000s, like, oh, it's just, it's my, every time I'm having a bad day, I put on Parks and Rec. Yes. It makes my Mm. day. And then, like, there's also, like, my favorite sitcom ever is The Dick Van Dyke Show, which is, like, Mm. we're talking, like, 60s. But I think, like, 90s, 2000s, um, and I... I really did love it at the time, but now it, it is bad. It, it's, like, bad to like it, but Roseanne. Oh, yeah. Roseanne was such a good one. Every time it was on TV, I'd watch that with my mom, and it was just, it's it's still, yeah. like, very funny, but I don't want to no, support No, because she Roseanne was, like, a funny anymore. comedian. It's just, she's, that's she was, was is really funny, and now she's, like, full-blown Trump supporter oh, yeah, and all this other stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. She got, like, wrote but up her own show. It was one of those, like, yeah, literally. They, like, did a, yeah, they did, like, a, a reboot, and then, like, all the shit that she was saying was just too problematic, and they just, they, they booted yeah. her off. Wow. A show that what was John Goodman named in that show? after her. John Goodman. But, mm-hmm. He's yeah, great. John Goodman, that's right. He was the husband. Yeah. And, yeah, just, uh, was a I love one. John Goodman. I'm about to tell you, we're gonna, we're gonna do this nice and short, because this is what we're gonna do. Okay. You're gonna tell me which one, and then you're gonna tell me what year, and then we're gonna move on. No explanation. Oh, I love that. What, what, elaborate on that. Oh. No, I won't. Okay. Would you rather go back in time or go to the future? Now, you can say yes or which one and the year that you would like to go to. And that's it. Okay. No, I won't. 
All right, back in time. Ooh. To the Renaissance. When? Okay, okay. The future. Okay, when? Either 2050 or 2070. Okay. Which you might actually live to see. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> We'd easily be alive then. Uh, back in time. History, definitely. I think like 900 AD. Whoa. Whoa. Just a she lot said of interesting the Middle Ages. Ages. That's fun. Middle Ages. All cool. right. The future? 2063. Mm. And if you get the reference, mm. shoot us a DM. Man. Really? Cool. I thought we would all be, like, past. No problem, because we're all nah. history buffs. See, now I want to tell you why I did my... <laughs> we'll do this out. We, we can tell after. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. You know. If, if I can give any hint, it's also a sad thing. <laughs> I'm just full of very emotional content tonight. It's fine. <laughs> That's not a good hint. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good hint. I'm sorry. Follow-up answer. Uh, 1985. To, to go back in time to when Back to the Future came out. Whoa. Just think that would be kind Meta. of funny. <laughs> yeah. Go up to Michael J. Fox while they're filming and be like, Marty! <laughs> I'm from the future! <laughs> All right. This is a good one. Um, what is a random history fact that you wish everyone knew? It is a really good one. Hmm. I have an answer. Yay. Go right ahead. I don't know how historical it is. And frankly... I'm almost like, I've, I've always questioned whether or not it's true, but it was told to me by a friend who's very smart, so I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> he said it's not historical and it's not a fact, so let's go. <laughs> what's, and I might have told you this before, but what's the difference between a hairdresser and a barber? No, don't know. No idea. Sounds a like hairdresser will, will touch your hair while they cut it, and a barber will only use tools. It's true curious not yeah. historical but we'll take it i thought it was it happened in the past excuse you <laughs> gatekeeper historian over here <laughs> katie you go if you're so good at historical facts sure i, I mean i'm not i'm just saying it's, it's very historical it <laughs> it's true of the present too anyway sure um, my, one of my favorite facts is that caligula who was a roman emperor named his horse to the senate which means he made his horse a senator who would like sit in in the senate because he hated the senators so much he did it to make fun of them and i just think it's did he actually bring his horse in and it would like sit in the senate i think so yeah he was like he really hated the senators oh my god (laughs) he was a little cuckoo but less cuckoo than nero so cheers Hmm. who was truly cuckoo he burnt down yeah he's a fun guy he is a fun guy just a little arson. Just a little, a little fun. Mine has to do with um, my love of the Titanic. Titanic kid right here. Yes. Um, Katie said once Titanic kid supremacy. And I was like, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, the, okay. So it's actually kind of fun because it's also like an Easter egg if you go back and watch the James Cameron Titanic. Um, so basically, the baker was one of the the few kind of surviving staff who again survived the sinking of the titanic and the reason was that um the sinking started 
And I guess he was already an alcoholic, and it started, and he just started drinking and drinking and drinking. And you can actually see him uh, on Titanic. He's the. This was actually historically true. He was the last person to touch the water when the when the Titanic went down. He's actually like Jack and Rose are there, and then the baker is right there. You'll see him in the movie, and he survived because he was so inebriated his blood alcohol was so high that it like kept him warm and like it like basically his blood couldn't freeze like he couldn't That's get so my blood in the water because he was so drunk alcohol saved so fucking metal and that's who he survived yeah i mean like so if you're ever in a really you know you've got a couple hours to kill but you know you're going to be facing hypothermia pretty soon just start pounding it back oh my but, yeah, god go. i love that <laughs> So next time you're watching Titanic, keep an eye out for the baker. I think he makes an appearance throughout the sinking, but especially at the end. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, my fact is about my uh, one of my favorite sad boy artists, uh, Van Gogh. You know, the common myth is that he's only sold one painting ever in his life. But you might have seen that in our trivia, and it's just one thing I like to bring up all the time. Is like he sold like a dozen, and it, that those are just the confirmed ones. He might have sold more. He traded Whoa. some for beds, for food, even sometimes for for a little company. So, um, yeah, oh, he's um, my God. He, yeah, he he was he was definitely Van poor, Gogh. and Van he Gogh. wasn't famous. But look at him, Van Gogh. He sold <laughs> yeah. more than one in one go. Wow. No. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. So that's my. Wow. All right. So now we have your favorite historical figure, or one you hate. Oh, and one you hate. Sorry. <gasps> and one you hate. Ooh. And it, we got it twice. Oh, so we have to do so, it. Oh ba- ba- so we have two people asked for this. I All right. Know. Well, this better be good. We better have good answers. I mean, I really struggled with this because, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know historical figures. And I do histories of violence, so I only know, like, know. evil people. Shitheads. <laughs> I was going to say, like, everyone hates Hitler. Well, not everyone, but I mean, most of us. No. Sure. I mean, that I was my pick. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I can't choose one of them. Like, that's just a cop-out. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course mm-hmm. I hate Hitler. Like, next question. I just question. don't like, um... I don't like taking one person and putting them on a pedestal, you know? I, I rather, like, study a whole I movement, I like, the moving parts. So I don't really have a particular yeah. person. I know. Well, the two people I'm who sorry. asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, you know what? Someone I think is vaguely overrated is mm. Churchill. Everybody's, like, obsessed yeah. with Churchill. And I'm like, bye. He was he was literally voted out of office in forty five. Like, all right. <laughs> sorry to these two people. Like, we have no no good answers. Oh, but man. if you guys have, have favorite history, oh, you have an <gasps> answer. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Go. I just didn't want to interject. Oh my god. No, go. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, I think my the one I I don't like is the same as what we've been talking about. Just sort of like overrated white men. Um, but like favorites, I mean, I have a few. Ida Wells, I talked about last episode. She's really cool. Um, Rosa Parks is great. Uh, Martin Luther King is often sort of overrated in his whitewashed form, but as an actual figure, he's fucking awesome. Um, and listening to his speeches is really cool. Uh, but over the year, over the past year, I've gotten really into Malcolm X as a historical figure. Um, and I've listened to a few of his speeches for a couple projects I've worked on. And he was a phenomenal speaker. And I just, oh, he was so great because he was like sassy and witty and just, oh, he was, and he's just really quick and, and with it. And he was awesome. He's a really, really cool guy. Um, so you did enough for all of us. 
Nice. Yeah, Bayard, but 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 oh, Bayard ooh. Russell will take the cake. And if you um, want to hear more about sure. him, listen to episode nine. Yeah, he is great. That's perfect. That was a perfect answer. Um, yeah. Listen to episode nine. Yeah. So okay. that's the answer for all of us. Thank you, Patrick, for answering for all of <laughs> You're us. You're welcome. Deeply appreciate Hey, you answered that. Taylor Taylor Swift for me. I answered. <laughs> perfect. Okay, I got it. You got it. It's good. All right. The best question has now arrived. <laughs> should we not explain? I feel like we should just just name them. You can go Google them if you want. And then we can follow up about this on historical Oh, my God. Okay. I like in, it. In season two. Which haughty historical figure would you risk it all for? I guess I'll have to answer, and I think I'm... I feel like because I've talked about it so much, I can only say one thing, and that's Michel Foucault. Fuck yes. Even though <laughs> even though he was homosexual and he would not be into me, I'd still want to be friends. Yeah. I love your theories, dude. That's all. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't care what people say. Bald people are attractive. Yes! Just Thank like, you. Justice for the bald. Chill. Yeah. Okay. If you only like hair on on people's heads, like, come on, what are you doing, Patrick? I have no good answer to this. You have no, I have good, no answer? good answer. Oh, Patrick, you're the I mean, I don't want to say Michelle Foucault too. She stole the best answer. You can both say come that on. he would actually maybe be into you. So. I mean, that's true. That true. <laughs> you have a better shot. That is a very good point you make. I mean, it's it, it's it's weird that I'm mainly thinking about men right now. Um, <laughs> Patrick is having a crisis. We're just gonna leave him to that. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's also it's not weird. Weird is the wrong word to use. Um, anyway, <laughs> Bayard Rustin again. He's a hottie. <laughs> also would be into you. Yeah, guys, I'm killing it here. <laughs> See, I think I think what what this is really showing is we very much like intellectual intellectual people are hot. Yeah. Oh, so hot. Oh my god. Robin, sweet, because I'm gonna ruin it with my answer. <laughs> Um, Casanova. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, okay. Is that the movie? I mean, he's a real person. No, yeah, he's a dude. It's like he's a per- he's a real person, but also Heath Ledger played him, so I do have some... <gasps> oh, Heath Ledger's cute. We love Heath Ledger. Okay, I'm going to round it out with a, with a wild card answer. Nikola Tesla. Oh, yes. Wait, why did I think of him? Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very hot. DM us your historical hotties, and we might rate them in season two. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Do it. Okay. Now we have a like a like a relatively, I mean, it's not serious, but like an interesting question. These have all been interesting, but like more historical, which is what time period in history is most relevant to now? Mm-hmm. I know. Interesting. The historian in me says every time period is relevant, but that's yeah. not, that's a cop-out answer that historians love to give. This is a question that we should be asking ourselves, like, every day. Probably. Or at least, like, once a year, you know? I it's could, such a good yeah. I could choose another cop-out answer. Um, 1918, when influenza hit. Literally, oh, that's I, actually a really good one. Yeah, I read the book Pretty by, good. um I believe it's Ulysses Jones, literally called Influenza 1918. And you'll be shocked. As you read it, you'll just be like, that's happening. That's happening. Wow. How do we yeah. not Protesting learn from this? Masks, yeah. Like, all of it. Mm, really? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that one's a pretty direct one. That's, that's a really good answer. Um, I would say like the post-war, post-World War II period, 1945 to like 1950, with the birth of the UN and the Human Rights Convention and all of that, like 
modern day morality and understanding is really born out of that period, which I think a lot of people don't know. I think for me being, um, I don't even want to say that I'm a Canadian right now. I don't really feel very proud to be a Canadian. Um, I think, I mean, like, obviously I could say all, all of colonialism, which is an ongoing project as well, but specifically I think, um, we're seeing a lot from like the, I guess like the Victorian period, but like specifically kind of when Canada was founded around 1867, that, um, as Canadians right now is is really is is what's really kind of coming to light and it's a history that we never learned a lot about or at least like we had a lot of misconceptions of and that history is finally starting to come to light um, with the discovery of over we're up to now 1500 children at residential schools in Canada and the US um, these you know aren't discoveries they're just affirmations and there are many many more I'm sure to be found and yeah, I think we are just finally today starting to see um, some of the horrible things that our you know, leaders uh, and people in our history have said um, to legitimize the genocide of, of Canada's indigenous people. And so I think mm -hmm. it's really super important to learn more about right now. And if there is one thing that you know you want to look up, I think um, look up residential schools. Uh, I think it is something that we're going to talk about in season two as well. So yeah. <clears throat> that was a great answer. Uh, and very similar to mine, probably. Um, I don't know, because, I mean, at first I was thinking, like, 1850 and onward, maybe, but probably, like, probably just going back to when, like, you know, colonization started is definitely really when the, these sorts of ideas started getting passed around. But, um, yeah, I want to I, I wanna highlight things like how in the, how, like, in, I mean, again, this is such a me answer, for God's sake. Uh, but, like, you know, women's rights movements, um, movements of sexuality, uh, uh, civil rights movements, all that sort of stuff, they all have, like, um, a huge lifespan that isn't really talked about a lot. And so it takes only, like, civil rights, for example. There were there were protests for civil, the civil rights movement, like, starting as, like, when slavery ended. And we were talking about Reconstruction last week. And when that sort of um, ended in, in the late 1800s uh, and segregation really took off, uh, it's not, like, black protests stopped for 80 years or whatever and then picked back up in the 50s and 60s it's, it's like it was ongoing the whole time and so i think i think i want to kind of get all that in there but i think the whatever the whatever what someone would consider the age of social movements is really crucial to our moment because it, it it talks about people sort of like not taking shit from bad people and speaking up about it and trying to make some sort of change which is uh how we move forward so what's everyone's <laughs> favorite dead language it's got to be Latin. Come on, guys. I was like, is there not, any other? Not I'm trying Greek, to think of right? Well, really. I, guess Greek. I, I guess feel Greek, like yeah. is is ancient Greek a dead language? It's so, isn't it? From what not... I heard, it's like if less than a hundred people speak it fluently, then it's a dead language. Oh, it's still got to be Latin though. How cool is Latin? Also, my mom know how to speak Latin, which is like it's so dumb. <laughs> Sorry, mom, I love mm. you, but like, why did you have to do that in high school? <laughs> Mm. That's hieroglyphics yeah that's a cool one that's those cool. were the shit where did those I'm go thinking, uh, what the viking hell? ruins you know oh ruins, ruins. Yeah. thank you ruins. that's what i want because yeah. i want to know what the heck they were well, doing worse. you know we don't actually that's <laughs> I all know what you were up to you know it's a mystery a lot of people are still guessing well yeah. ruins runes are interesting too because like runes were less like more more, more of a spiritual yeah. thing than they were like a form of communication and they were often used as in combinations to like, you know, for protection or like asking the gods yeah. for different things. 
Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. I want to. I want to. I want to know that. That's pretty neat. I know. I know what's what. What's existing of runes today? Because I do. I read runes and stuff in my practice. I have so the cool. stones. Whoa. Runestones. Yeah, that's cool. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. That's awesome. Yeah. If you come to my front door, I have Algiz, one of the runes that's a protection symbol, on my door. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty that cool. Um, in my language, I don't know. I think Latin too. I I did a lot of choir. I still do a lot of choir, and so we sing a lot of Latin. Whoa. Um, specifically Germanicized Latin. We sang Carmina Burana, which has a really interesting history. It's a you should listen to it. Actually, most people probably heard the very opening movement of Carmina Burana, which is Oh Fortuna. It's like that bah! like action movie. Anyway, the history of it is hilarious. It was um, conducted by and written by Carl Orff when he learned of the discovery of these lost manuscripts that a, um, a bunch of Germanic monks had written in the Middle Ages, and they were secret, like they were hidden. And if you read the translation of this entire musical movement and all these manuscripts, they're all dirty things that the monks couldn't talk about. <laughs> so, like, some of them are about love and, like, brothels. Some of them Ooh. are about getting really, really drunk. Some of them are about love and, like, things like that, too. But, yeah, there's a lot of, like, sex and stuff. It's quite good. And then there's one movement in particular where um, they're, like, making fun of the... Um, the what would he be called the abbot the the guy who was like the head of the monastery mm -hmm. so yeah it's anyway it's really fun to listen to you should listen to it if you're into classical um cool. but yeah but that's all in germanicized latin which is a little different than a little different than ro romantic or roman latin anyway there you go that's a great answer a spiel <laughs> all right so what is something Y'all wish you knew before majoring in history. Everything. <laughs> I, right? I didn't, I didn't have a background in history. I didn't know fuck yeah. all. Yeah. Like, That's intense in my, for you. In my job right now, um, I, I love my job and I'm doing really well. Like, and I think my, the master's program like prepared me for the research and stuff, but there are still some things where I'm like talking about like research methods and stuff and I'm just like, like right over my head in one ear out the other right. so i definitely wish i like dabbled in a couple more history courses before before going into the history that i'm in now but that's because i didn't do my undergrad in history so that's mm -hmm. fair that's fair that's it fair. is fair but you don't need a history an undergrad in history to like pursue public history or anything nope. else too so i'm i'm doing just fine <laughs> <laughs> i am surviving I think I would have wanted to know more about history as a discipline, which we talked about in an episode that I, I don't know which one. Maybe one, maybe two. Maybe, two, maybe. Maybe. Three? Oh, shit. Three, maybe. What have we done? <laughs> but basically that, like, history is a discipline made up of a series of interpretations. So, like, you look at evidence and you make an interpretation and that's what the discipline is. There's obviously historical facts. Like, we know when World War II started. We know when it ended. Like, we have documentation, things like that. But there's a lot of things that are left up to interpretation. And, like, memorizing the facts is literally, like, the first thing you have to do if you have to do it at all. Like, you just need to do it so that you can make your own interpretations. So, read monographs and, like, journal articles and 
you got this, man. The person who asked this question is starting, uh, I think, college or university. I can't remember. In September. Oh, nice. History. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Good yeah. luck. I know. It's oh very exciting. You'll love it. That's awesome. Yeah. But there yeah. is a learning curve. Yeah. There is there a learning is. curve. Yeah, that's something mm-hmm. I wish I knew beforehand, too. Um, it's, a, it's a bit harder than you think, and there's a lot more writing and essays that are coming your way. But I learned to love that stuff. Like, that's something I really do enjoy doing, and I'm sure you will, too, if you're going into that field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think there are two things I wish I knew that sort of connect to each other. The first of which was going to sound super boring, uh, because I thought it was boring when I learned it. <clears throat> but it's the importance of historiography. Like, that's oh. that's something that I never knew about. Uh, before university, but historiography is like maybe not always the most interesting word. What to is say. historiography? I'm about to. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. I, got, I got you. I got you. I got you. It's it's not an interesting word to say, but it's it a is really interesting important. word to say. It's it's. Sorry, right, we're not getting into this right okay. now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I agree. It's an interesting word to speak, but when I say it, oh. I sound like I'm a like a history okay, teacher okay, from okay, like okay. the 50s or whatever. Okay. Um. In any case, historiography is the history of history. It's anything that historians have written about the history that you're studying in the past. And so it's like it's like the the catalog of all the arguments that have already been made about your paper. Um, and not like like when I when I was in first year, I would have lectures where it would all be about historiography. And then I get to the exam and I wouldn't talk about historiography and they'd be like, why didn't you do that? And I didn't realize the importance of like anchoring my argument in arguments that have already been made that it's all about like a conversation and a discourse it's like a circle of, like a people in a circle sitting in a circle talking about stuff and if i say something i have to i can't like just discount what other people have been saying without talking about it that it's a conversation i'm not alone here um so that's really important thinking about it as, as, as a conversation in that way and and looking at what other historians have said and it, and that it's okay to disagree with them it's totally like it's totally okay for you to read a historian and say that interpretation isn't very accurate or i don't i don't agree with how they're spinning it and that sort of thing um which leads me to part two which is that history is surprisingly creative and that's incredibly important for 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 me to say is that like it's not just about knowing facts obviously but it's also not about making a clinical argument that's based on like x amount of of evidence there's a lot of interpretation that's involved there's a lot of creative thinking um playing around with ideas and and just thinking about how like how people would have thought about things or interpreted things and and how different sort of historical ideas things i mean we talk about a lot like uh, very suppressive ideas and that sort of thing or or social movements that are trying to find some sort of change um thinking about how how they thought and how those ideas have transferred and how ideas interpreted other ideas and all that sort of stuff and so history can be really really creative and you can make really interesting arguments um and all that sort of stuff so there you go that was a really thanks. good answer thanks this next one is what's your favorite essay you've ever written that's a i need to like go back and actually tally up like how many it's a hard question to ask it is a hard question to ask yeah mine would be um one of my favorites that kind of started kind of like catapulted me into the research that i do now and like what i kind of consider my specialty uh, which is national parks and um, resource conservation and like uh, indigenous perspectives of of resource conservation and um, it was pu- I actually was very lucky to have it published in my undergraduate uh, student journal that we do every year. Oh, cool. so cool! Yeah, and it was called uh, "Conservation Within Nationalism: Parks as Settler Control." Mm-hmm. Um, Leanne Simpson, who's one of my favorite 
um, scholars who I talk about a lot. We're actually reading her book in book club this this month for the Dust Jacket Book Club. We have our own book club. Uh, mm-hmm. check, the, check the link in the show notes below. Um, she actually describes national parks as nationalism parks. And I took that and ran with cool. it. So, yeah. Cool. That's super cool. That's really cool. I can go. I wrote a paper, I guess it was only last year, which is wild to me, but it was called um, Accepting and Rejecting State Narratives, and it was about three different memorials and museums in Chile and how they looked at the two Truth and Reconciliation Commissions that had been commissioned about a decade apart in Chile and whether or not they went along with what the state had said happened under the Pinochet dictatorship. It was a very fun essay to write, but I was really severely limited by the fact that I didn't speak Spanish, so I could only sure. read portions of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. But a lot of the first was translated, but the second, they were like, you don't need to read this. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Mm. But yeah, it was very fun. Highly recommend Truth and Reconciliation stuff and transitional justice. Maybe we'll do an that's episode fun. on it. We just keep... <laughs> Suggesting. Well, with uh, with residential schools and stuff, um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission yeah. in Canada is definitely probably something we'll talk about too. So. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. My God. Let me think. I think, okay, well, I mean, I wrote a thesis in my fourth year, so that was pretty cool. I think it was cool just because it was my own research that, like, the thing, kind of speaking to the last question as well, the, the, the thing with being a history student is that you're going to be like, oh, I get to, like, like you know, research really interesting topics and d- deep dive and all this sort of stuff. Well, you have, like, a week. <laughs> to research it and then another week to write it and then you're done and you're on to the next one so um it is a little it can get a little frustrating and a little discouraging sometimes when you when because you don't have the time to sort of build your own novel argument and and really to look at like a lot of primary sources and all that sort of stuff um so the thesis was great for that because i just took the whole first semester and wrote a bunch of newspapers and all that sort of stuff and and then wrote a wrote a 90 page paper about it um and i also love to talk and thus i also love to write and so um 90 pages was fine <laughs> it just kind of just kept going and it was really fun um, so that was really nice having my own sort of my own argument about it. Um, I guess I should say what it's about. It's about uh, uh, masculinity and um, sort of like classism and stuff in uh, Irish, like from an Irish American perspective um, in the 1950s and 18, 1850s and 60s. Um, there was this thing called the New York draft riot that happened during the Civil War. That was a huge, um, essentially race riot uh, where Irish uh, Irish Americans like killed a bunch of um, African Americans. Because they didn't want to get drafted into the Civil War. And it was a really interesting, uh, very horrible, but a really interesting sort of study on uh, masculinity and how their their gender and identity as men shaped the outburst and how that's something that hasn't really been studied as much as things like class and race. Um, so that was cool. And yeah. I also, to, 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 to plug my other thing, I totally wrote an oral history thing and published it. I wrote a chapter on oral history and it is getting published, which is pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, and that was that was really fun because it was the first time that I got to just sort of go off like the first draft had very few footnotes um, because I didn't really reference people I just sort of talked about it <laughs> it was that was a really cool moment to be able to write something and like oh someone could quote that in their paper that's that's cool <laughs> that's wild yeah same oh, thank you. yeah <laughs> so there you go all right uh same like everyone else we write so many essays throughout your whole undergrads mm. that it's hard to pick. But I, I get my favorite one is one that I wrote in my final Indigenous Studies course. It's it's a research paper called um, Les Complices d'une Expropriation. 
So it roughly translate. It was a French class, but it roughly translates to um, like the, uh, the conspirators in an expropriation. Uh, so we uh, we studied pretty much the relationship between our university, University of Ottawa, the church, the Oblates, and the Algonquin people who lived on the land, and we were trying to figure out how did the land go from the Algonquin people to the university? How did that happen? Cool, especially because. Ottawa is unceded territory oh, yeah. for the Algonquin. It's messy. Yeah. So um, everybody in our class, I believe we were 10, we all like chose specific subjects. My specific field that I chose for my essay was um, the conspiracy between the government, forestry companies, and the church to remove Algonquin people from the territory, put them on a reserve, and then force them into schools. So the really cool part about this paper is I actually did get to publish it as well with them, the uh, research institute uh, for Indigenous cool. Studies at our school, and I was able to present wow. it to uh, members of the uh, T- B community, and hopefully, hopefully, like That's everyone so in our cool. class got to present to them. So hopefully, that'll be really helpful for them in their in their future work with try- with dealing with this unceded territory. That's so cool. Super. Yeah, That's awesome. it was one time where you're That's... like, dang, this class is useful. We're doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? we're actually That's an doing things. History matters. Mm-hmm. That's, we're yeah. not just talking about it and writing papers that two people are going to read. Exactly. Yeah. It goes on a shelf. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. That's, That's public so history. Cool. Is what yeah, I, I guess <laughs> yeah. I was doing it before I even yeah. knew what public true. history was. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> that is very true. It was meant to be. There you go. Okay, this question is slightly similar to the first school question, but it's kind of different. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, Ooh. what would you tell them? So for us, like, 18 is typically the time that you enter university, not for everyone, but sure. in Canada, that's about the time that you enter university. Wow. Do you, get, do you guys know the song Vienna? Yeah, by, Billy, by Joel. Billy Joel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that... Something along the lines of like the, the themes in that song, I think, would probably be what I'd tell my, my younger self. I have a big sort of anxiety issue with not knowing about the future um, and not knowing. I'm sure it's pretty common for most people, but um, huge anxiety about not knowing what the future holds and stuff. And so doing a history degree, you know, you're kind of like, OK, what am I going to do after and all that sort of stuff? And, and you know, um, young, and excited and all that sort of stuff. Um, so just tell myself to just slow down, just, you know. Let yourself breathe. Don't worry too much about third and fourth year at the beginning of first year. Just take first year in as much as you can. That sort of thing. Just just slow down, breathe a little bit, and take in your surroundings and, and enjoy that. Um, I think there was a lot of time in university where I didn't live in the moment. Hmm. Mine is really similar to Patrick's. Um, mine would be... I. I, I still am, but especially at 18, I was such a perfectionist. And so my biggest thing would be don't be afraid to fail. And especially, like, I can't, I, I mean, it's scary enough going into it, not living through a major historical event and being in a global pandemic. But if you are 18 right now and you have made the decision to, like, you know, this September I'm going to start my, you know, post-grad, not post-grad, um, post-secondary, whether it's college or even, you know, apprenticeship or whatever else, like, yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Um, I mean, I, almost everyone, especially in their first year, changes their major in some sort, you know, maybe you do a Robin and you completely flip flop from one thing (laughs) to another, right? Um, but yeah, don't be, don't be afraid to fail. I failed, um, in grade 12, like I almost didn't graduate because I, 
you know, failed, basically failed a math class and all that kind of stuff. And it, if I didn't fail, I wouldn't have learned that maybe you shouldn't go to med, try and go to med school and be a doctor just because you want to help people. Maybe you should do something that makes yourself happy because no matter what you do, you're going to help people, right? So yeah, just, just try new things. Again, don't worry about being perfect, especially in first year. Your grades are going to go down. That's normal. They go yep. back up, you know, and there are so many people there to help you, uh, including us. So, yeah. 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 I mean, mine's kind of similar. Mine's really specific to, like, my 18-year-old self, but then it's easy to, like, apply generally. So when I went to U of T for my first year, I took this program. It's called the One Program. If you go to U of T or you're thinking about going to U of T, you might have heard of it. It's basically two full-year courses. So we take five courses, and so it's two of those. And there's seminars. So you, like, sit with, like, 12 other kids, maybe, like, 15 other kids, and you have, like, a seminar. And it's supposed to prep you because in fourth year, especially in history, you do a lot of seminars. Girly, don't take those courses. Those courses (laughs) were a nightmare because I was, like, so nervous and so, like, I didn't – I also didn't understand the content very well because it was, like, super niche, like – global development like history of like international relations and so I like never spoke so I didn't do very well in either of the courses and I didn't like them and so I spent a whole year where two of my courses I just hated and I hated doing the readings for them so that generalizes to being like don't if you can avoid it I know that like for example engineering you can't avoid it but if you can avoid it, don't put all of your eggs in one basket and don't do all your courses in one subject area, especially in first year. There's so many good, like, take astronomy, man. So many people took astronomy and were like, this is so fun. I get to look at the moon. Do that. Try try a little bit of everything. That's what f- first year of undergrad is for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great point. Uh, my... 18-year-old self was a little different than everyone else here because um, I started university when I was 17. Uh, yeah, I know, way too young, but for some people, they're good. And like Liz said, I, I completely switched programs. So what I would say to my 18-year-old self going into second year or technically her first because we're redoing a new program is don't be hard on yourself. Things are going to work out and this applies for everyone. And uh, expand your narrow view of what you think is going to happen in the future, be open to new opportunities and to change. That's something I was really stubborn with. I always like walked in like this. I'm going to go through, I'm going to be in HR, I'm going to do this. And then when that didn't work out, I was devastated. So just, yeah, be going more open-minded because you're going to discover things that you love that you didn't expect at all. And if it takes you an extra year, like, so what? It took me a couple extra courses because I, in first year, it was rough. I had to take some time for myself. And, like, so no one cares. It's not going to say on your degree that it took you five years instead of four. Like, it doesn't matter. Just just enjoy it. Yeah. I said this, like, a couple episodes ago, but embrace the chaos. That's the thing, you know? Like, let surprise happen. Like, don't be afraid of surprises. Don't be afraid of, of, like, unknown things. Like, just... You know, if you welcome it, they'll turn into they might turn into opportunities, you know, and and also like like even if things don't work out, worrying about them not working out isn't going to make them work out any better, you know. So like even even if you're in a situation where you're like, it probably won't work out. So now I'm scared. It's like, well, being scared won't help. So it's going to make it harder, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Try your best. If you haven't noticed, we're all so anxious and stressed all the time. (laughs) 
<laughs> so all our advice is about not being yeah. anxious and stressed all the time. It's great. Yeah, it's good. Which is very easy to say. It's hard. Mm. It's, oh, it's... Oh, I yeah. still struggle oh, with it, oh. so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Three things I need is my therapist. Yeah, I changed my answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, that was pretty great. Um, how, uh, I am I am next. So the question that we got here is, how would your parents describe you, what you do for a living? Wow, I butchered that. How would your parents describe what you do for a living? My mom did an MA in history. And also, for uh, which is a shout out to my mom. Like, one of, if not the first Instagram follower that we got OG. was my Love mom. We love you, Beth. We love Beth. Yeah. She's wonderful. Um, she's the best. So she's incredibly supportive and she's done history. So, like, I mean, I feel bad that my answer isn't going to be interesting, but I figure she'll, she'll just be like, he works in a museum. He has a public history degree. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he does oral history interviews sometimes. Oh. Fair. Yeah. yeah. My parents would be like, oh, it's all about making history cool and making money for the museum, getting people in the door. Like, that's how, yeah. Butts and seats. Butts and seats, that's it. Make interesting history accessible. Nice. Cool. I mean, that's all correct. I mean, yeah. I feel like, though, when we did define the whole scope of public history, even when I did first start the program, I was like, oh, there's that too? Okay. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I think my parents would say the same, like, that I want to work in a museum. They'd be like, yeah, she she wants to work with the kids in education and, like, work with museum programming. Nice. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, mine would, my, my mom also listens to this. Hi, mom. Um, so, yeah, I feel like she also, like, again, like, going into it, she didn't know, like, I barely knew about public history because, again, I didn't really have a huge background but I knew I've worked in museums for a long time like throughout the summer and so she like knew what I did there and she really supported it and she's always been her, my biggest cheerleader when it comes to that she's like that is there any way you can make a career to this like you're just so good at it you're good at talking to people it makes you Aww. happy and I did it I made a career out yeah, of it. yeah did it but it actually exists yeah, so, yeah. I think again like similar to Katie like she'd be talking about like education and outreach and like making mm. history fun and accessible um, and then, you know, obviously just like the research portion too, because a lot of what I do right now is research, but yeah. 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 Nice. Cool. All, All right. our parents are great. They are. Love our parents. Yeah. Very supportive. They're all really supportive, We're loving lucky. people who know what we do and, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. All right. So harsh transition. Oof. We're going to the book <laughs> section. Oof. And we all love books here, so this makes it easy. Oh, boy. But the, yeah. actually, no, I'm going to make it hard. Choose one book you think everyone should read. The person who asked this question is after my heart. <laughs> I love this question. Actually, the person who asked this question is also the historical hottie person. Oh. So you know who you are. Hello. Love that. <laughs> Such yep. good questions. Yeah. I mean, I have mine because it's the book. And if you were here back in May on our Instagram, I did. Someone was like, just tell me a book to read and I'll read it. And I recommended it. But it's Paul Kalanithi's When Breath Becomes Air, which is a memoir by this man named Paul Kalanithi, who, and this is not a spoiler, is how the book begins. When he, he was a neurosurgery resident. And in his last year of residency, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And he wrote this memoir as he was dying about his life. It's a very good book. Highly recommend it. 
Um, and everyone should read it. Like, I feel like fiction, sometimes I'm like, ah, maybe you wouldn't like it. You're going to like this book, I promise. It'll make you cry, too, Ew. for obvious reasons. Yeah. All right. I would choose The Inconvenient Indian by Thomas King. Everyone recommends it, but it's for a reason because it's actually really good. It's really informative and it's really funny. You can actually, you're reading history and you're laughing along and you're actually learning and absorbing stuff because you're like, this is actually interesting. He's a good writer. I enjoy him a lot. So that's a, the one recommendation. I mean, like, mine would probably be... Honestly, anything by Maya Angelou, but especially I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. But even if you could just, um, like, listen to some of her talks and and listen to her explain um, her story and about her and about her poetry and spe- specifically, um, there are so many things that Maya Angelou speaks about and writes about that I, like, live by on a daily basis, whether it's she talks about, like, negativity being this like black ink that like gets on your walls and that you should never let it into your house and that you have no right to you know have someone who is so negative in your house like gunking up your walls basically and you know if someone tells you who they are believe them the first time like all these things that like she's just been my saving grace but also her, her experience as a woman as a black woman um she just like she just yeah, her perspective is just so amazing. So, um, especially if you like poetry, I know why the Cage Bird sings is a really, really great one. I think I think anything by James Baldwin. He's a great sort of great author. Uh, he, uh, I mean, he's lived through so much of modern Black history that that the way he writes about it in his novels or or memoirs or anything is is uh, really impressive um, and truthful and just like raw. And it's awesome. Um, but I want to piggyback off of Robin for a second and talk about one of the first books that like I remember reading more recently is for my first year. I had to actually Huron like made us read a book uh, before first year started and like classes would use it for projects and stuff and it's to get everyone to read and whatever. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, but it was a book by Thomas King, uh, called the truth about stories. Oh. And it, it's a collection of five, uh, lectures he gave. Um, sort of transcribed and written into a book form and it's incredible um not, not only because of uh, the sort of content that's in it but also like it's it's as much about the indigenous experience as it is about stories um and more stories more generally and as someone who just who who loves like the art of stories and thinking about life as as a story and all that sort of stuff and and sort of the creativity behind that i found his insights to be especially interesting um so that that's a great one to pick up, and it's uh, like like Robin was saying, he's he's a he's a funny author. I got to meet him one time. What? Yeah, he came to. He's a, he came he's to a literature prophet Guelph. Like, I didn't know that. Which, no which is cool. Yeah. 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 yeah but he came to to speak at Huron in my first year, and I got to ask him a question. And me being my you know silly first year self, I was like, I I honestly wanted to know what his favorite word was. I was like, because he, he, he that's a so great well. question to ask someone. Yeah, I, my, his answer was my favorite thing. He said his favorite word is and. Because it always sounds like he has something important to say that will follow. Oh my god, I love and that. Little little yeah. improv Patrick is like, yes and Yeah, right? I was like, Yeah Aww. He's also so tall. Is he? <laughs> really? He's 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 pretty tall. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. I love that. Yeah, he had to That's like cool. we had a photo together and he had to, to like crouch down a bit <laughs> for the photo. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. He tall anyway. tall. Yeah, he's cool. Um and, and the book's great. So. It is a great book. I back that. Uh, okay. 
historical fiction recommendations about American history prefer early. Um, I'm going to shout out my favorite book of all time, um, which is type is definitely historical fiction and it is early American. I mean, like I don't, I might need more context as to what they mean by, uh, early American history, but this is early enough. Um, my favorite book of all time is Beloved by Toni Morrison. Anything by Toni Morrison is amazing, but Beloved is, uh, historical fiction that is set, uh, in the, um, antebellum period or the reconstruction period directly after the end of the, the, um, the civil war. And, uh, specifically about a family of women who are, um, who have just recently been freed from slavery, who fought really hard to be freed from slavery. And it's about the ghosts of slavery. It's about oh, cool. trauma. It's, mm -hmm. and quite like you'll re you'll discover early on, like quite literally the ghosts of slavery are kind of like embodied and reimagined. And, um, there's so like, there's in the middle of the book, there's this amazing, powerful scene about like, like being on a, a on a slave ship that's going to the americas and just like anyway it's if you're especially interested in black history and specifically about the history of slavery and it's just oh like tony morrison just writes like she's my favorite author she just writes like i don't know like no one else in the whole world the first sentence in the book is 124 was spiteful full of a baby's venom and that's about the house that they live in anyway so this is my favorite yeah. that's wow. all that's good. That's great. Can I go next? Cause yeah, go ahead. I feel like I feel like my answer is gonna be another disappointment. Oh no. <laughs> um, I don't. Well, I I don't I don't read a lot of historical fiction. Unfortunately, I know I should read more, but I don't. Um, and I particularly don't know much historical fiction about America from uh, the early American period. So none of this is gonna be relevant to the person who asked this question. So I, I I'm incredibly sorry, but. Um, Book of Negroes is a really great one. It's not technically about the United States, really, but it, it you know it it it's sort of from more of that colonial time period, seventeen hundreds. Um, that's really really good. And the other one is is not a novel, so you know sorry about that too. But it but I say it because it's written kind of like a novel. It's called Arc of Justice, and um, it is a book about the Jazz Age in Detroit uh, in the nineteen twenties. And it is essentially, it's like a court drama about um, a, a black family who is a part of the Great Migration moving north. Um, and they, they moved to Detroit in the 1920s. And they, they have enough money that they get a house that's in a predominantly white neighborhood. And so the sort of the background of the book is that all these white neighbors keep sort of like, like in mob mentality form coming and just surrounding the house each night. And they don't get violent necessarily, but they just surround it. Um, and so, of course, his black family is feeling terrified and threatened and, and highly concerned. Um, and then one day, one of the times, like, the mob does something that sort of, like, triggers essentially a, like, a shootout. Um, and in self-defense, one of the, the, the father um, in the home, uh, he shoots one of the members of the white mob and he's put on trial for it. And so that's the rest of the book. And it's essentially, like, it's, like, it, it's, it's a book written by a historian, but it's written in more of a popular history way it's like well researched and everything there's citations throughout and footnotes and all that sort of stuff but like it's written like a story like the story's unfolding um and it's it's awesome so it's it's more modern american history uh and it's technically not a novel but <laughs> i i can never recommend the book enough it's it's incredible i don't have any recommendations i do read historical fiction but i don't read 
much about America. I don't know much about American history. Um, and I definitely don't have anything from the early period. The, the, like, the latest I could get, the earliest I could get you is, like, World War One, but that's not, that's not, whatever. Yeah, mine, mine's a little off as well, but, um, it is, it is American history, maybe 1800s, but it, it's The Alienist. Really interesting book, thriller, mystery, but it's, warning, it's very gory, so if you're not into that stuff, don't read this book. <laughs> <laughs> also with a, an, a Netflix adaptation as well. Yeah, I did watch the whole thing. I loved it. Sure. But if you're not into that stuff, please don't read it. You're not going to like it. I, I got into reading it, and it's um, almost as descriptive as Edgar Allan Poe, you know? So you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I needed that Yikes. etched into my head. <laughs> but it's still fun if you're into the horror mystery gore. Awesome. Cool. All right. And then our last question... And then we'll talk a little bit about season two. Our last question is, what's the best book you've read this year? Oh, good question. Oh, Patrick, you just like, you know it. Patrick, you seem like you have an answer. I do. I uh-huh. I, I have an answer. Um, yes, I've mentioned this before. I think I've mentioned it in the Discord, but I'm currently reading a fantasy trilogy written by um, uh, a black woman named uh, uh, Jemison. Uh, she's an incredible author and it's called the broken earth trilogy and it it's sort of like like she starts the book by saying something along the lines of like every world like uh, like the world is ending so let's just get to it shall we or something like that it's like the first part of it it's like, nice. like she totally undercuts the idea like the stereotype that like the world is ending and that's the biggest stake possible she's like the world always ends like this doesn't matter like the world the world ends constantly it's ended so many times but normally and she says she, she's like normally when people talk about the world ending they talk about humanity ending or like different sort of cultures ending and the world is normally fine but this is the story of how the world ends and that's the the concept yeah, of the book is like cool yeah so so it's so awesome and she's also like like her writing is like poetry um i, I i'm one of those people who has a hard time skim reading or reading quickly I have to really go slow with it, but her, her writing is so like poetic and almost like music that I can, like, I can just read it. And it's, it's, it's great that way. Um, she plays with cool perspectives. Oh my God. I could talk about this the whole, the whole damn day. I'm still on the first, I'm still on the first one of the three. So please no spoiling people. <laughs> um, but it's awesome. Highly recommend it. Uh, and yeah, there you go. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I have two oh my because goodness. I'm cheating. <laughs> Um, okay, the first is a book called Honey Girl, and it's by Morgan Rogers, and it's basically, um, it's, I think it's technically new adult, which is, like, a relatively new category that's supposed to be about, like, 20-somethings, focusing more, like, kind of like young adult, but their lives, and it's basically about this girl who accidentally gets married, but... (laughs) I was, I've read the book because I was like, oh, it sounds fun. I read a lot of new adult that's just, like, dumb romance plots. But it ended up being a book about, like, how to survive when you get stuck in academia. And when you get out of it, you don't know who you are anymore. And it ended up being this book that, like, really just, like, talked about, like, life after academia and how to, like, understand yourself as, like, an academic but also a person. And the main character is black, so it's also about being a black academic. It's a really good book. It um, totally, like, I expected it to be just, like, a rom-com, and it wasn't. So I highly recommend Honey Girl if you're looking for that. And then the second one, because I recently read it and I couldn't not mention it, 
is Andy Weir's newest book. So Andy Weir is most famous for having written The Martian, which became a movie with Matt Damon. His newest book is called Project Hail Mary, and it's about a scientist who wakes up in a spaceship, and he doesn't know why he's there, and the only two other people on the spaceship are dead. And he has to figure out where he is and what he's doing. It's, it's, um, it might be better than The Martian. Whoa. It's oh. so good. Better than Poop Martian Potatoes? So poop Potatoes is awesome. It's Shit definitely potato. better than Artemis, his second book, which is largely forgettable. But it's so oh. good, man. Uh, I, I didn't mean, even know it existed. Exactly. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Well, I mentioned in the Discord I'm still reading a book right now, but I've already decided it's the best book of the year. Uh, the Devil in the Dark Water by Stuart Tur- Turton, I believe his name is. Anyway. It's another mystery novel. I love those things. But this time, it is set in about 1630, 1640. I love that time period because, you know, I worked at St. Marie. So he's describing the costumes. And I was like, oh, my God, I can see it because I wore it myself. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) But I love it. Somebody's going to die soon. I know it because that's how these mystery books go. But the best part about this author is, well, the best part for me is I'm not really familiar with mystery books. I love mystery movies and stuff. So the books take me on a ride the whole time. Like, I don't catch on until the end, and there's a big twist. So he's really good at doing big twists. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so I'm excited for the big twist. That's awesome. Nice, nice. Um, okay, so mine is also kind of mystery. It's technically a horror novel, but it's not, like, graphic or anything. Um it's called The Only Good Indians. It's by, uh, his name is Stephen Graham Jones. And it's about four young um, Native American. They're Blackfoot uh, from like Montana, I want to say. So America. Um, and something happens to them as young adults. Um, and now they're adults and they it catches up to them. It has to do, it's like this Ooh. interesting like hunting accident um some turn something more there's like really cool like indigenous perspectives in it and stuff uh very slow burn like kind of reminds me of like gone girl like that kind of that kind of vibe so i recommended it to someone the other day but yeah highly recommend the only good indians by stephen graham jones cool and if you want more book content from us um join the book club yeah dust jacket it's in it's in the show notes that's what it's called join us it's a good spot join us join us it's super fun it's every other month it's not even that many books we promise exactly super chill if you want to give us book recommendations too we're always we're always open always open for those Mm -hmm. okay we've been teasing about season two so we haven't decided what season two is going to be that's what the hiatus is for but we do have some ideas. So, so what kind of ideas are brewing in our on our little brains, guys? We have some more uh, grad school stuff. I know. Yeah, we're gonna do more about undergrad and grad school kind of experiences. Mm. Yeah. What else? Katie and I are thinking about doing an episode on art history, how to look at art when you're in a museum, because we want to make that fun as well. Mm. And we have some good tips. Yeah. Oh yeah, lots of good tips. I've been, I've been wanting to do a History of Superheroes for a little while. Yes! Uh, but, yes. Which would be pretty fun. I know it's pretty broad, so if anyone has any particular superheroes they'd like to learn about, or... X-Men. Superhero movies. X-Men? All of them. would be great. <laughs> I'd be happy to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. All of them. Every, every single X-Men ever. List them all now. 
yeah. Yeah. If you want to, if you want me to, if you want me to talk about superhero movies compared to the comic, anything like whatever you want for the history of that stuff. Um, happy That'll be a good episode. So, that would be really yeah. good. So let me know, people who are listening. Shout at me. This season will also fall in November, which is Remembrance Day here in Canada. So we might talk a little bit about the history of that, the commemoration of World War One and World War Two. That could be pretty interesting. Yeah, and then I've already talked. I've already dropped hints multiple times. Because um, I think it's important, but we are, are definitely going to be revisiting the topic of residential schools. Um, we actually recently got a question uh, about the the recovery of, again, around 1,500 bodies, uh, as far as we know, at the date of this recording, which uh, is in early July. Um, we know that there will likely be more to follow um, from the mass graves at former uh, residential schools within Canada and as well as in the U.S., uh, and we intend on doing a, we're, again, we're going to do a full episode dedicated to understanding residential schools, their origins, their histories, their legacies, and their implications, including how their kind of, their history is ongoing uh, and still very much plays a role in a lot of things happening in Canada right now. So we want to do the topic justice. Um, so it's going to come next season. We're going to, we're really going to think about it and reflect uh, and until then, the lovely Robin has actually put together an amazing resource list that you can find on our website. Uh, you can find the link in our show notes. Um, so anything that you'd want to uh, learn more about to educate yourself about residential schools. Um, if we don't already, we can also, we'll include some um, really awesome um, organizations that you could donate money to as well if you are looking for something to do especially since Canada Day just passed a lot of us did not celebrate including myself uh, and instead I chose to actually donate to some of these organizations and you could do that too it would be a great way to pay it forward um, and if you watch or read or listen to something on that topic that you think we should include email us, DM us, comment on one of our posts uh, and honest, honestly that goes for again all historical things anything we talked about in this episode and beyond uh, questions about school anything else uh, and we love your DMs we love we the do. DMs and speaking of DMs and mailing um, if you have a question about one of the topics that we're covering next season a topic recommendation anything that you want to hear let us know again you can email us um, at the digital dust podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at the digital dust podcast Twitter at the digital dust podcast TikTok at the digital dust it's too much we almost had it (laughs) and facebook and facebook exactly almost (laughs) any platform we are on it um so yeah we want to cover the topics that you're actually interested in we want to answer your burning questions we do this for you guys so we want to support you yeah and thank you guys for listening to season one we've had so much fun it's been amazing it's so cool and we can't believe so many people have found us and are sharing their love for history with us it's just amazing that's so so meaningful there's There's so so many of you guys out there like we did not anticipate this at all so it's been so fun literally one day in january all of us on a zoom call kitty's like guys let's do a podcast let's do something crazy sure okay we all have microphones. We all have closets. Why not? And now we're here. <laughs> now we're so. here. It's all yeah. you need. A microphone and a closet. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Or actually, it's you don't fun. really need friends. You could do it yourself. <laughs> you just, yeah. It's funner with friends, though. It mm-hmm. is funner with yeah. friends. Anyway, this has been a very long episode. If you made it here, thank you. Bless. God. You we love you anyway. I hope you've <laughs> listened to this in spurts. <laughs> yeah.
And on that note, we love you. I see you on the flippity flop. Flip flop. Yay! Oh my god. <laughs>